What are some certified tricks of the trade that chess players use in chess tournaments? How can volunteering with organizations that deal with difficult topics pique an interest in medicine? On this episode of Talking You and Med Student Life, hear from first-year student Eric on how he prepared for med school and how he creates iconic memes for his med student classmates here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Welcome to another edition of Talking You and Med Student Life. I have Eric. Eric, how are you doing? I'm hanging in there, Dr. Chan. How are you? Good. I, I'm I'm hanging in there too. Lots going on. It's uh absolutely. But like, but for you, you're on spring break right now, correct? I am. And uh, why don't you just introduce yourself to our listeners? What we, what year are you? And uh, yeah, where are you in the curriculum right now? All right. I am a current first year medical student. I just barely finished my first class of phase two. So I'm about six months into my first year. So that means you're so close to being a second year. I can't believe it. Time flies. Time flies. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. All right. So um, time machine. Okay. So Eric, um, one of my favorite questions I always ask, when did you want to become a doctor? When did that first enter your mind? When did you start thinking about it? Was it A events? Was it a series of events? Did it come on gradually? Was it epiphanous? What, what's your story in the beginning? When did you know you wanted to become a doctor? Yeah, so there are two events that I can kind of think of. My first exposure was actually in high school. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a high school that had sort of an internship program. And so basically what I did is I sent in my resume. At that time, it was very science and math-based. And so they set me up with an orthopedic surgeon, and I was able to shadow him for basically the entire summer. And that got me really interested in healthcare in general. And so I pursued a degree in bioengineering. And my second event was during a class centered around development of biomedical devices. And we were watching this video. It was about kind of the applications of neural stimulators. And they showed a Parkinson's patient. And they really tried to focus on how debilitating this disease can be. But then when you use this device, this patient is all of a sudden has a much higher quality of life. And the focus of that video was to show how great medical devices could be. But what I really took away from that is like, I really like the patient aspect of healthcare. And this is something that I want to do on a daily basis of working with patients. And that's when I started going towards medicine. Eric, that's beautiful. And you grew up in Utah, correct? I did. Yeah. And and I, I just love talking about this because I know a little bit about your background and, and kind of some of the activities. Tell me about chess. Tell me about your chess prowess. <laughs> Did that factor in at all? Or like, just tell me about the, because like, I think for the listeners out there, especially with Queen's Gambit and all that Netflix does. And, you know, if you're my age, it's like, you know, Bobby Fisher searching for Bobby Fisher. There's definitely this perception about the chess community so yeah, I want to talk about that. When did that start? And yeah, yeah. how old were you? And that. Um, so I started playing chess in first grade. Um, my school had a little team. And the really fun thing about it was that me and all of my best friends all played together on that team. And so when you're that young of age, it's not really about the chess and like the game. It's more about like the atmosphere of it. 
And so basically what chess allowed me to do was like once a week, I would hang out with my friends on a given Saturday and we would spend like six hours just hanging out. And then we would play a couple hours of chess in between. And so that's how I really got started. When I decided I want to take it a little bit more seriously, um, I was able to get some coaching, get some um, mentors in that field, and kind of take it a little bit more seriously. And it was just a really fun time, I think, overall. Um, when I reflect on it, it was definitely just really exciting to be with all those amazing uh, competitors and friends that surrounded me. Tell me about the chess tournaments. Like, like, did was it like monthly, or did you travel? Like, what was that like? So there's lots of different levels. Um, there are kind of local tournaments for like elementary school, where those are basically every week, and I would go to those ones. There's also like uh, a state tournament, which I would participate in every year, and then also I I took part in a couple national tournaments where I would travel to Houston, to Phoenix, to Arizona, and play at a kind of bigger stage. And how good were you? I, I like to think I was okay. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> um, I guess so at my peak, um, and this was there was a combination of events that led to this. The main one, which is that um, the, my, the competitor who was easily considered the best in our state um, stopped playing in high school because he was just that good. Um, but in 8th, ninth, and 11th grade, I was able to take um, either co-champion or champion for the state of Utah. And so that is kind of my, that's my party trick, I guess, is, is being able to tell people that. That's amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. So, like, did it, like, how did it, how did you balance that? Because it sounds like it requires a lot of practice, a lot of focus. Um, sounds like some travel involved. Uh yeah, so, like, how, like, how did you, like, I guess, yeah, it's a sport. So, like, was it just kind of, like, was it kind of your sport growing up? Your, or would you consider it a hobby? Like, how would you disqual, how would you qualify it? I think it's really interesting to kind of compare it to athletics. Um, it was certainly a lot easier to make that time commitment when I was in elementary and middle school. There wasn't really a lot going on there. Um, high school, it was definitely more of an opportunistic thing. I would play when I could but it wasn't necessarily a big focus of mine. Um, and it just so happened that I think for a lot of high schoolers, that's the case. And so um, everyone kind of slows down at the same time when they start taking on other priorities. I remember growing up, I always tried to play the computer on all the little chess apps and games. Mm -hmm. I could never beat the computer. It always seemed to be like, you know, you can adjust the levels. It yeah. seemed to be incredibly difficult, but I, I don't know, maybe, was it, easier for you to play against computers or is it harder or, or, or people, I guess people make mistakes where computers don't like, what was your experience with that? So there's a couple different levels to that. I think computers are hard to play against because you know that they don't make really dumb mistakes. And so it's much more of a marathon in that regard because we don't get any easy, any easy battles. But on the other hand, it is also, I think a little bit intimidating to play against people um, when you get to the higher levels, there's sort of a psychological aspect of it. I remember when I was probably in fourth grade, I went to a national tournament, and uh, one of my opponents actually gave me like a Rubik's Cube and some board games at the beginning of the game. And at first I'm thinking, oh, that's a really nice show of sportsmanship. Um, but when we kind of looked back at the game, 
and watched kind of my parents had been taking videos, we realized that it was actually a distraction because I stopped paying attention to the game as I was playing with these other toys. Wow. I, I haven't thought about that. There's like a, what was your trick? Like, I didn't know there was like <laughs> psychological games. Would Yeah. My trick is when I was playing someone who I was um, considered to be rated higher than, I would actually stand right behind them um, while they were playing. I would stand up in the middle of the game, walk around and stand behind them and just kind of stare down their shoulder. What? That's um, allowed? That doesn't sound like it should be allowed. <laughs> Uh, it certainly um, is very intimidating, as I can say from people who have done it to me. Um, it's an intimidating wow. thing. <laughs> I had no idea. I thought it was more like, like basketball, where you're shooting a free throw, and you have to kind of stay in your lane, actual lane. Uh-huh. I had no idea you could go to the other side and do that. Do you have yeah. to keep quiet? I, I, I noticed when I watch yeah. um, these shows, it's really quiet. So it doesn't sound like there's any trash talking or no, I can't kind of like a library atmosphere, would you say? Exactly. You have to use other tactics to kind of get into their head. Wow. Would you, did you have like special like attire or apparel, like a favorite shirt or hat or like, I guess like, like what, like your ritual? I mean, what would, what would be your ritual leading up to like a big, do you call it a match or a game? How would you yeah. describe it? Um, a good match. Um, I would usually listen to music. Um, I would put my headphones, um, listen to a couple songs that just get me like excited and then just walk in. In terms of attire, we had like a school uniform that we'd wear, um, but I didn't really have any like lucky socks or anything. This is awesome. I love talking about this because like I think chess has become more visible in our lives because of the show's and there's a certain mystique, mystery about it. Um, Absolutely. So think, yeah. let's, let's jump to the analogy if we're ready to go there. So Eric, mm-hmm. medicine and chess, how, how are they linked? Are they correlated? How, has it helped you in your studies in medical school? Does it make you methodical does it make you think three or four steps ahead how how do you see those two things that are a big part of your life how do you are they related absolutely um in the first draft of my application i actually tried to make a lot of these connections um there's a lot of arguments for the idea of having a plan seeing three or four steps ahead um knowing your own strengths and weaknesses um ultimately i decided upon removing that part of my application because what i realized was that I didn't love chess necessarily for the game as much as how much I had fun with my friends. And so I think there's a lot of really good analogies that would be a little bit cliche or uh, it's fun to work with. But when I think about like how it led me to medicine, it made me realize that like my favorite part about what I do every day is working with the people around me. That's nice. That's awesome. All right. So Sorry, side tangent. I just love talking about the chess. So, absolutely. You, uh, where'd you go to undergrad? Um, University of Utah. All right. So you're at the U. What kind of activities, experiences, did you do in undergrad that prepared you for med school? Got your application ready? Made you very competitive? What were you doing during your undergrad years? So the first thing that I got involved in was research. Um, I was fortunate enough to kind of get lumped into a program for engineering students interested in kind of academic engineering. And so they kind of set me up, told me how to get connected with um, PIs, and I was able to start research actually like 
one to two months into my freshman year. Um, and so I worked with that lab. It was up at the Huntsman Cancer Institute. Um, it was kind of a genetics project. Um, worked on that for a couple years. And then ultimately I left um, to join another lab that was kind of more in line with my area of study. And in terms of community service, clinical experience, what kind of activities did you do, Eric? Um, so for community service, um, an organization, organization that I worked with was called um, The Sharing Place. They're an organization, I think they're local to Salt Lake area. Um, and their kind of big thing is they provide grief support for children who have lost either parents or siblings or grandparents. Um, I think I chose that because there was a little part of me that was uncomfortable with death at the time, kind of when I was preparing to apply. And I wanted to make sure that like medicine is certainly, uh, there's a lot of really rewarding aspects, but there's also a part of you that needs to be prepared to deal with kind of the rougher patches. And so working with that um, kind of population was a really exciting opportunity. Um, ended up being really fun. Um, it's a bunch of like, I think that age group I worked with was about six to 12 year olds. And it was a combination of kind of talking through what had happened with everyone for the first half. And then during the second half, um, we kind of just goofed around for half an hour. It ended up being a really fun experience. So would you say like the sharing place means sharing the grief, sharing the emotions? How would you describe that? Yeah, I think sharing the grief is a really great way to put it because one of the lessons we learned is that there are topics that are very uncomfortable for people and it can be difficult to face. But when you have people around you who are really prepared to help you through that, um, it becomes much less of a burden. That's beautiful. I love it. That's great. So Eric, like you're, your, what was your, like bringing in the chess analogy, what was your strategy when you started looking at medical schools? Like how many did you apply to? Like what were you looking for? What was your, what was your three or four moves ahead? What was your strategy back then? Oh, so this is a case where maybe that analogy does not apply um, because I did not exactly know what I was doing, to be honest. Um, I applied in total to five schools. Um, the, eh, that number's a little low. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit lower than what you see, I think. Um, I think that the average is 15 to 25 plus these days or something. Um, I kind of took the uh, approach that like I'll apply a little bit this year. And if I don't get in, at least I'm familiar with the process. I don't think that's the best way to do it. Um, but I kind of made my decision. It was a very like kind of data driven approach. So I knew my MCAT score. I knew my GPA. I looked at a list of schools who had averages at or a little bit below that. I then cross-referenced that with um, a list of schools that University of Utah alum had gone to for medical school and then kind of checked their websites out really quickly, um, made sure it looked good, and then and that was my process. So it sounds like you, if I can read between the lines, you weren't sure if you were ready, ready, but you wanted to give it a shot exactly to see what would happen. Mm -hmm. um, and of the five schools, if you feel comfortable sharing and the thousands yeah. of people who are listening to us, how many interviews did you get? And I, again, I, I love these analogies. Like what, how did you prepare yourself for your interview day? Was it kind of like preparing yourself for a tournament, a big tournament, like, like relaxation? How, I mean, how do you get yourself pumped 
and ready for that moment. Yeah. So speaking of low numbers, I got, I got one interview um, throughout this entire process. And the way I kind of prepared for it was I talked to a couple current medical students. I talked to some friends who had some familiarity with the interview process and uh, the University of Utah School of Admissions, um, School of Medicine Admissions. And basically what they told me is that, like, if the numbers and everything else in the activities are there, they really recommended that I relax for the interview and just try to show my personality. Um, they mentioned that, like, they believe that it would be really important for the interviewer, interviewees to get to know me and to try to get a gauge of what kind of person I am, what I value, um, what I would be as a student. And so I went in very relaxed to my interview day. Had a really great time with the interviewees. Um, and just kind of, honestly, we kind of just joked around for half the interview. So it sounds like no butterflies. No butterflies in your stomach. Deep down, probably some butterflies, but um, I tried to really think about how excited I was just to have the opportunity. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Cool. All right. So Eric, like um, jumping ahead a bit, where were you when I called you? What were you doing? Do you remember that day at all? Um, I remember it very clearly. <laughs> okay. um, so it was, let's see, it was March 9th. Um, it was, I think, the week before my midterms. And so I was studying with some of my other um, pre-med, my best friends who I kind of studied with throughout all of college. Um, and we were in the library on main campus at the U. And my phone lit up. Um, Apple had auto-filled that it was the University of Utah School of Medicine. Um, Apple gets us every time. I love it. Exactly. Um, Like, I look down at it. I see the contact. I say, like, oh, crap. Maybe some different words were used. Um, Pick it up. All my friends are, uh, like I mentioned, they were pre-med. A couple of them applied actually this year to the School of Medicine. One of them is applying next year. They knew what was happening. Um, And so it was really exciting because I hear your voice. I think you said, um, how would you like to join the School of Medicine? And I said, absolutely. Um, And then I blacked out for like five minutes. I'm assuming we talked a little bit, Um, jumped off the phone, and we we just gave up like a really good cheer in the middle library. Um, Really, really fun experience. That's beautiful, Eric. Um, And you mentioned March 9th. Mm-hmm. so yeah that was like a year ago and Almost. that's that's the week that everything started changing in the world <laughs> in this, our society the med school everything yeah so i mean how was that as an accepted student outside looking in knowing you're joining the class how, how did that go from your perspective just covid and the pandemic and everything shifting online. It sounds like you were, yeah. you were on main campus and things started shifting online there too. So how, how did that go from your perspective? Yeah, so I got the call from you on March 9th. And then I took a couple of days to prepare a little special like reveal for my parents. And I, I went home on the 11th to tell them. And then I remember the next day is when I got the email from the University of Utah saying that everything would be online for the next uh, foreseeable future. And I remember thinking because clearly I didn't really have an idea of how big um, the pandemic would be. I remember being fairly relieved because I had gotten into medical school 
maybe I was going to coast a little bit on my classes. As long as I didn't uh, have any big drops, everything was going to be fine. And so I was thinking, I'll have some more time to spend with my family, spend with my friends. Um, and then the pandemic will end by the summer, and then we'll start medical school, and we'll just jump right into it. That was not the case. <laughs> Obviously not. I don't think I were prepared. <laughs> yeah, so, one year later, and I'm yeah. still, I'm still uh, locked in my basement. So, yeah, like, what is medical school for you? What, how is it getting the vast majority of your instruction, your didactics online? What's, what's that experience like? It's been really, really kind of a mixed bag, I feel like. Um, on the one hand, I think that having lots of friends and peers and a support system around me um, is something that I've always valued. And obviously, in a pandemic, that's a lot harder uh, to really connect with your classmates. Um, we see each other about once a week, but we're kind of kept into isolated pods. Um, and so it's been a little bit difficult to really make these connections with our classmates. We've been doing the best we can. Um, in terms of the academics, it is, it is um, a completely different beast than what I was expecting. And so working through that um, with online school is certainly kind of like taking two steps at a time going up the stairs. What do you mean by what, what, what were you expecting, Eric? What were your thoughts prior to med school? How do you think, how do you think things were going to be? I certainly felt like, um, I guess the first thing is just the type of work that I was doing basically did a 180. Um, so I graduated in biomedical engineering and kind of the approach in that, in those classes was you would only need to memorize like five or six equations and that would take maybe a lecture and then you spend the next three weeks learning how to apply them and kind of figuring out how to use them together and like really the application of things was what's emphasized. And so come to medical school now where um, the material is a little bit more straightforward, but just like 200 times as much um, has certainly required some getting used to and kind of adjusting my study habits. Would you say, because I've heard other people say this, Drinking from a fire hose. Drinking from a fire hose, yes. But online, I guess, exactly. <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. All right. So, Eric, you're also known. Rumor has it that you, you have your sense of humor, your joie de vivre. Uh, you're known for your memes or, or something similar. Can you talk a little bit more about this? Help me understand what this is. Yeah, and so going back to what I mentioned about our classmates, um, I think that it's fairly fairly straightforward to say that like medical school is a very hard experience and it's something where you need people around you to really be supporting you and providing you with um, a sense of community and one thing that was really rough for the first couple of weeks was that um, everything was online and so um, I had talked to several of our classmates and they definitely felt like this is so hard I feel like I'm the only one going through this and I don't know if I can keep going and so a couple weeks into class, um, there were just some funny things that had happened throughout our lectures, and I made a couple memes on it, um, posted it to the entire group chat, um, and basically um, people loved it. I think there was really some sort of um, recognition in themselves that th their experiences were not unique to them and that we're all going through a really tough and challenging coursework. Um, and so ever since then, I've been kind of posting out um, a collection of different memes every week for the class, kind of based on 
what has happened in that past week. So again, we're kind of using an audio medium here. Can you describe to me some of these memes? Because you say <laughs> memes, I start thinking of like kitty cats and yeah. hamsters. Um, and I know it's probably not that. I haven't actually seen these memes. I've just, they're like almost like legendary <laughs> among your class and I haven't seen them. So how would you describe them? Um, I think really commenting there, there's a lot of like commentaries on the absurdity of some of the things that we have experienced. And so uh, I'm trying to think of one that would be good to be able to describe out loud. Um, one of them was based on a lecture from our foundations class on nephrology. And the one of the slides said, just know the things in dark black that are bolded. And then for the next five slides, every single thing was bolded. <laughs> And so the meme was that, like, it was, oh, just the heading was, please only pay attention to the things in black. And then it was just a black screen because that's what it felt like when um, you just get hit with five pages of information that's all considered high yield. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, you, you use the term high yield. And that's, I don't remember that term before med school. That's definitely a med <laughs> school term. And the best way I would describe it is, like high yield material is material that number one will not only be useful to you later on, but number two will probably be found on some of the board exams. So yeah, you say high yield, it brings back a lot of memories of yeah. like, you know, like there's so much information, everything's important. Um, and it's almost overwhelming at times, the amount of material you have to not only memorize, but also understand, process, and then apply. Well, you know, kind of like chess, you know, like there's, yeah. you have all these different moves and you got to use them and apply them on a case-by-case -case basis, right? So it's, it's, yeah, exactly. it, it can get very, there's just, it's just a lot. There's a lot. I recognize mm -hmm. that. So yeah, you mentioned high yield makes me think of that. <laughs> all right. So um, you're almost a second year. Um, I'm not going to hold you to this, Eric, but I'm just curious with your biomedical engineering background and your first year delivered through Zoom, have you already started thinking about specialties or what kind of doctor you want to be or are all options open at this moment? Like what, what, where is your mind right now with that? So if you ask me at this very minute, um, obviously this is something where I'm still working through it a lot and my mind probably changes every week. Uh, I'm currently interested in some sort of procedural or surgical subspecialty. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be able to get a little bit of time shadowing throughout the past six months, and I've been enjoying my time in the OR. Um, I don't know much more than that, but um, that's something that I've really been enjoying. It is. Engineering does lend itself to that. So, yeah, it's very cool. All right. So last question, Eric, when you, what advice would you give someone out there who is thinking of going to medical school, maybe have an engineering background, maybe has a chess background? What would you say to someone out there who's listening right now and, 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 and is thinking about applying to med school? What would you tell them? What would you say to them? Hmm. Um, I would definitely say really focus on finding your communities. I think that it's such a hard and long and drawn out process. Um, it's challenging in many different ways. Um, for me, the most important thing is to be having a really solid social support behind me. And so finding the people that make me want to be better and people that 
encourage me to do what I love um, has been probably the most important thing. And um, that's just something I think it applies even if outside of medical school and chess, I think being able to find people who really appreciate you for who you are is just been super important to be able to allow myself to put myself in a position to succeed. I love it. That's beautiful, Eric. I'm sorry, a couple more questions popped to my mind. Yeah. Is there a chess club in medical school? Have you formed a chess club or a student interest group? There's a chess club on main campus. Um, Currently, they are not meeting um, because of social distancing, I I believe. Um, It's certainly something I'd be interested in. I don't know how many of my classmates um, know how to play, but I think there's also some room just to play um, just for fun. And that was my next question. Do your classmates know about your chess background? Because if not, I think we just ruined it with this podcast. And I I could have seen a scenario where (laughs) you create a tournament and no one knows and you just like dominate Um, or you Um, play like you don't know how to play and then just magically over time, (laughs) just get stronger and stronger within like 24 hours. Um, I think some of my classmates know, definitely a lot of my, um, the people that I study with, um, I use it as sort of a break from studying from time to time. Um, it's funny that you mentioned some sort of tournament where I, I show up and kind of surprise everyone because, um, that was something that I would do during my undergrad at parties sometimes. Um, it'd be sort of a party (laughs) trick where we would say, let's play a game of chess and whoever, whoever, um, if you lose within 10 moves, then you have to do something. Uh, <laughs> and so that was, uh, that's, I've already been able to have my fun with some classmates about chess. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. Well, Eric, so glad to have you on the pod. I'm glad you're doing well. I'm glad you're safe. And I'm glad that first year has gone relatively well, all things considered, and that you're almost a second year, man. Like that's, I can't believe it. Time flies. Absolutely. I didn't even think about that myself until you mentioned it, but Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you later, Eric.